Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Dude. We're here. It's the Album Nerds. This is Dude. I got Andy and Don with me. It's Album Nerds Podcast time. Gentlemen, are you ready? Are you excited to talk about some albums? Yes. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> talk about some freaking Wu-Tang, man. There's some energy. There we go. So excited. About time we got to some killer bees, man. Getting ready to storm. I can feel it. Wow. <laughs> uh, that uh, was a little bit more than I bargained for. All right. So here on the Album Nerds Podcast, we're three friends. We love talking about albums. We love that album format, all the songs in a collective. We use a a piece of ancient technology to help us choose what our topics are going to be. And, and this week, as you probably gathered from Andy's embarrassing display, Wu-Tang Clan is what came up. But Andy, why don't you just describe to the people this beautiful mechanism we use that helps guide us on our musical journey? Yeah. Well, I think it was, what, crafted back in BC times, right? <laughs> One of the first, first forms of currency, I believe, was original form of the wheel yes it was actually created with the ten commandments by god that very same day <laughs> delivered on top of the mountain <laughs> it was meant to be an addendum to the to the ten commandments <laughs> yes we were supposed to spin it to see what sins we could or couldn't commit <laughs> uh, yeah so we are lucky enough to have that wheel in our possession today we are using it only for good as can be exhibited by last week's spin, which landed on a, a black and yellow space with a symbol, with a single symbol, Wu-Tang. Yes, yeah, so uh, Wu-Tang Clan is a, an American hip-hop group formed in Staten Island in 1992. Uh, its original members include RZA. I'm going to go through all their, their names. Uh, that's, that's Robert Fitzgerald Diggs. We've got Jizza, Gary Earl Grice. Uh, Old Dirty Bastard, Russell Tyrone Jones. Uh, the Method Man is Clifford Smith Jr. We've got Raekwon, who's Corey Woods. Ghostface Killer, which is uh, Dennis Coles. Inspector Deck, which is Jason Richard Hunter. Uh, you God is uh, Lamont Jody Hawkins. And finally, Master Killer is uh, Jamel uh, Irif, I believe is the pronunciation. Wow, that was thorough. Although they did later add Capadonna. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Wu-Tang Clan is a influential group in the East Coast uh, hip-hop scene. Uh, and they've had significant commercial success uh, as a group. And all the individual members, or most of the individual members have uh, as well. Uh, so each of us will present an album from this, this vast Wu-Tang universe. Uh, Don, can I interject? <laughs> Wouldn't that be the Wu-niverse? Wow. That's <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> okay. I'm sure I'm not the first the to say it. It's probably a copyrighted patented thing. Sorry if I stepped on anyone's toes. <laughs> so yeah, so this includes the the Wu Tang Clan uh, albums. Um, you know, any of the the individual solo projects or or side projects. Uh, and so uh, we'll we'll do those. Uh, we'll have a question of the week, uh, and then we'll we'll spin that wheel again. All right, why don't we start off? Or you just give like your history with Wu Tang? How did you came into this? Yeah, Wu Tang is is something I've I've been avoiding, you know, since uh, since the '90s. I actually did have a, a group of friends that were all very much uh, into into Wu Tang. So I mean, this is stuff I would hear in the background, but I never paid much uh, attention to. 
years later, I, I worked in a record store and of course I was selling albums from all these, uh, all these artists. But, but again, you know, I never really spent any time with it until this week. So I'll probably apologize in advance for, you know, my ignorance on, on a lot of this. Uh, you know, everything that, that I say is based on, you know, one week's worth of, of listening. Pretty similar here. I worked in record stores, never listened to their stuff at all, fully aware of them the Kung Fu movies and all that stuff, but I've never dug in. So that was my opportunity this time around. And uh, I listened to albums by all of the members and related stuff. So I'm uh, ready to talk some woo. Well, I appreciate you guys giving, giving the woo a chance. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot there. It can be pretty overwhelming to just jump into. Yes, but that's what we're doing anyway. So let's do it. You choo choo choose me? All right, for my Wu-Tang Wu-Averse selection, I am picking uh, one of those solo projects, one of the uh, first ones that came out after their initial album release from the Jizza, the Genius. Uh, the album is entitled Liquid Swords. This came out back in November of 1995. Is the second solo album for the Jizza. Uh, we are going to play a little cut from the opening and self-titled track, Liquid Swords. Right, the three words I used to describe this record were sharp, precise, and deadly. It's exhibited by their Wu-Tang sword style. Man, this record is... is dense with complex uh, rhyme patterns and stories about things like uh, crime, chess, and philosophy. Some of my three favorite subjects. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in particular, crime. Everybody knows that about Andy. <laughs> well, we took the liberty of picking out a, a few of our top picks here, and I think this Liquid Sword record, uh, for my money, is among, among the best of the solo projects. And it really... I mean, it's a Jizza record, but all the members, all the all nine members at this time are featured on the record. They all, you know, get a couple of verses here and there. So it really does feel like a Wu-Tang record, I would say. Uh, definitely has that RZA production style. Uh, I think it's even tighter and maybe a little bit more atmospheric on this record than on their kind of debut 36 Chambers. And I think, you know, Obviously, we talked about the martial arts uh, kind of aspect to their music, which really, I think, adds a lot to the mystique and kind of the, the storytelling. And they do that a lot on this record here with particular clips from, from one Japanese martial arts film entitled Shogun Assassin. Uh, actually, why don't we play a little clip from Fourth Chamber, the seventh track on the record, which features a pretty hefty bit of dialogue from that film. Sword, and you will join me. Choose the ball, and you join your mother. Yeah, I always love that kind of aspect of the records. It kind of just gives you a little break to some of the more hardcore and extreme uh, rapping that is going on. Do you guys have any thoughts on? I think they I think they use like at least three or four samples from that particular movie, and there's a bunch of other just kind of samples and skits interspersed throughout the record. Does that work for you guys, or does it kind of break up the flow too much? I, I, all three of the albums that we that we cover today, you know, incorporate, you know, s something like that. And yeah, it, you know, in some ways, I, I think it's cool. Um, I, I was thinking about could uh, you know can can you get away with this in in rock and roll? You know, like having a you know a, a kung fu storyline or a superhero storyline. And at first, you know, I was inclined to say no, but then you know when I look back at at some progressive rock. 
uh, especially some of the stuff that, yeah. that came later. I mean, a lot of times there were like really kind of silly, goofy storylines that were going on with yeah, like Mister Roboto, Kilroy. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Dicks. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's cool to add some sort of you know ongoing narrative to a to an album. Yeah, I agree. I, I like it. Um, samples when used well can make a song structure sound great if you use parts of songs, but using these clips from movies does give it a mystique. And it also glues together all those uh, solo artists. If they have those elements on their albums and the Wu-Tang Clan as a whole does that, it really does draw the whole uh, Wu-niverse <laughs> together. <laughs> and I, I really like that. And I like uh, this album opened with a clip with a little boy telling the story and about his father. So, yeah, I, I dug it. I remember hearing about this album when I was working in record stores. People I worked with just couldn't say enough good stuff about it. People that came in to buy it, like it was kind of a badge of honor to own that album for the fans. So Yeah, it seems like um, maybe it's like the fans' choice or something. Names like Method Man and Old Dirty Bastard, you know, I... I I feel like perhaps they got more uh, recognition, um, and maybe Jizza is a, is a more uh, obscure choice. Lyrically, man, he he writes really great lyrics. So skillfully flows and rhymes, and uses great descriptive words. It's really complex poetry, and uh, I'm really impressed with that part. I think I think method and. ODB kind of have more bombastic styles or a little more distinctive styles that people recognize and maybe like more. Uh, but I think the Jizza, he's like, yeah, I think they just even say this in one of the records, like he's the head of the group. Like he's kind of the mastermind behind a lot of what they're doing or the directions they're going. Right. When they form together like Voltron, he's the head. That's that right. right. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I think he shows that why, why that's true on this record. He really brings it as much as it is a Wu-Tang record. Like he holds down every track and he, he shows up with some amazing bars and just amazing wordplay. And I think it fits like with that swordplay idea. Like these, these blams are just so sharp and on point. Like it feels like you're getting slashed with a samurai sword or something. I mean, it really, it really works. In that those, regard. uh, those ching sounds that they use throughout all these albums. Yeah. Yeah, intersperse. <laughs> yeah. So I'm man, this is probably one of my favorite hip hop records of all time, let alone Wu Tang related projects. I think it really holds up well today, even after, you know, what's it, 25, 30, yeah, 25 plus years. No, 30 years. Yeah. Don't do the math yeah. in your head. Oh, all it does is hurt. <laughs> just hurts yeah so yeah i mean and I, one thing i wanted to mention too was just the album's produced by rizza and he really you know he brings these beats to these guys and like fully formed and it, they're amazing the quality of them and just how i guess cinematic this record in particular sounds um creates some really haunting imagery with some surprising samples i'll play a little bit of cut from Cold World features pretty interesting kind of spooky chorus here. Yeah, so I mean, as much as Jizz is the head, I think Jizz uh, the backbone really holds holds everybody together here and keeps this record moving. And I, yeah, I was just 
so impressed by this. Even when I heard it back in the 90s and then coming back to it, you know, all these years later, still so fantastic. It was, it was very cool. I'm glad I got to experience it. When I was listening through these albums, this one would usually come after the, you know, the first Wu-Tang album. Um, and so it just very much feels like a, a continuation or, or a sequel to to the 36 Chambers album. Yeah, no, I totally would agree. Uh, yeah, they were kind of in a role here in the, in the mid-90s. And I think this was kind of like really a strong clear statement of, of what they were doing in the mid-90s. So once again, Liquid Swords from the Jizza, the Genius, Wu-Tang Clan. Check it out if you haven't heard it. It's a fantastic hip-hop record. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. And now here on the Album Nerds Podcast, the time-honored tradition of asking ourselves a question. <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard a movie sample first on an album, then later saw the movie? Yes. Yes, I have, actually. Many times. <laughs> It's kind of a surreal experience, I don't know, at least for me, like if you're not expecting it, especially. The one that I remember came to mind quickly for me was um, electronic music record uh, from Orbital, which features like a clip from Worf from Star Trek right <laughs> at the beginning of it. I'd probably heard it like a hundred times in college, maybe, and but never had saw the episode, was watching it with my uh, now wife probably like 10 years ago that clip came out of Star Trek and I was like, what? It's like, no, it took me back to college like immediately. I just expected like the bass to drop in at the end of the, at the end of him talking and <laughs> giving this dramatic speech on Star Trek. So yeah, I, I always love those moments. Have you guys ever had that happen before? I, I had a, I had thought of an, another answer, but since you mentioned Star Trek, uh, I'm reminded that, you know, that Information Society song, the, I want to know what you're th-. there's the clip, uh, there's the sample, Pure Energy, uh, which is, which is oh, Leonard yeah. Nimoy, um, in, in the original Star yeah. Trek episode. Nice. <laughs> Sci-fi is a good uh, fertile ground for sampling, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is, Andy. Uh, mine is from Star Trek also. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't have one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't think of one. Uh, I've listened to a lot of albums in my life, but most of them are rock records, country albums. So not a lot of electronica, not a lot of hip-hop. So I'm sure it's happened, but I have missed it. So I stink. <laughs> Listeners. What about you? Have you ever heard a movie sample first on an album, then later saw the movie? Tell us about it on the socials or on Album Nerds Discord. So my pick, uh, we're, we're going to where it all began. Uh, the, the first Wu-Tang record, November 1993, uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Uh, why don't we play a clip? Can it be all so simple? Get up on that shit, all right? Yo! Started off on an island, AK Shallon, niggas wailing, gunshots thrown the phone down. So after you know spending a, a week listening to, to this album, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's Raekwon right there. Raekwon the chef, yes. Yeah. So I, I've gotten pretty good. I, I think if you were to play me samples of of each MC, I, I think I could probably pick them out. Wow, that's that's impressive, man. I'm not even sure I could do that. Don't test me. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I always was proud of myself when I could tell which Beatle yeah. was singing something. But when you got nine voices <laughs> and yeah. all these styles, yeah, I mean, some of them are easier to pick out. I, the the uh, Genius website when you're looking at lyrics, which I did a lot of this week, they're kind enough to sometimes put in which person has which verse, and that's that's very helpful to get to know the voices. <laughs> I think Wikipedia. Also breaks down, at least for this record, the verse order, which is 
Super helpful. Yeah. So uh, for the the three words uh, to describe this album, um, I kind of cheated again, and I just said "bring the ruckus." That sums it up for me. You know, I mean, this album is is a, a ruckus. Uh, it kind of rattled my my world uh, for for a week. Um, it's. <laughs> Do you mean the uh, the motherfucking ruckus? Is that the same ruckus? Hey. He's a professor <laughs> of communications. He has to, he has, he has oh, to keep right. it proper. <laughs> professor, yeah. But yeah, so it, it's, um, it's aggressive. It's chaotic. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a ruckus. Yeah, part of the, the chaos is just that, I mean, you've got nine MCs on it. I mean, I, I, th- I, I don't, again, I don't know the, the hip hop world all that well, but that seems uncommon from my understanding. <laughs> you know, uh, the Beastie Boys had three, what Run DMC had two. So, you know, that, that seems, mm-hmm. that seems normal, but, but nine is a lot. And so, I, you know, I think a, a lot of the, that Wu Tang sound and the shape of this record is all about, you know, being informed by nine distinct voices. Oh, totally. It feels like, it's like you're getting attacked by all these people all at once. Like it feels a little bit overwhelming, especially at first. Uh, and it is so uncompromising and just unrelenting in terms of subject material. And the beats are so minimal, but I think hard hitting. They really have like a real grit to them, especially on this record. The way they describe these stories and you know the words they use, it just feel it kind of feels like you're on the streets with them, and you can't live in this existence i guess yeah that's that's a good point and i'm reminded of when we talked about the velvet underground you know i I said that lou reed was kind of like a beat poet sort of capturing that that underground scene and i think these guys are you know sort of they're capturing uh urban life and it's like they're not saying anything about it's not i don't feel like they're commenting on it and i don't think they're glorifying it i think they're just capturing it like a documentary almost of Growing up in New York City in the early '90s, but they built this Shaolin, the city you know of Shaolin, Staten Island. They took this idea from you know uh, I read about as children. You know they'd watch their afternoon cartoons, and then on Channel Five in in New York City, they'd play kung fu movies at three o'clock or something like that. You know, I think some of this album is is to do with coping with. Uh, you know, uh, rough things in life as children and their escape is your afternoon cartoons. And so when they built the Wu-Tang Clan and, and took on their monikers and their roles in this, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, the, I'm just really impressed with how detailed and how creative the whole thing is and how consistent it is and how they're all so talented and have their own styles but they're all fast their their lyrics are all tight and sharp and they like this was practically self-produced i mean they're using buckets to make snare drum sounds and stuff i mean (laughs) and the sampling they had to take a vcr and plug it into a bunch of stuff and put it into a sampler and try and catch a piece and it's just amazing that they not only put this together and then were smart enough to say, okay, we're the Wu-Tang Clan and now all of our guys are free agents to go sign whatever. But then they kept the universe going throughout all the other albums. It's really genius. Yeah, and it's and it's genius that they came up with themselves. It's not a record label that decided, oh, we're going to have this, this group of people and then they're all going to have solo. Right. I mean, these right. guys figured that out, which, which, which I appreciate. Yeah. Cause I mean, the record label is kind of on the other side. Like we want to control these guys. You want to, 
make money off them, but they were kind of one step ahead. And I think that is probably a big part of their legacy is just that that model they created. Pretty unique. Yeah. And it's smart. Um, I mean, I wouldn't characterize these guys as nerds or, or dorks, but it is kind of nerdy. You know, I mean, they're basically creating a, a comic book. You know, it's like it's the Justice League or something. And these are these guys are all, you know, superheroes with with origin stories. That kind of is. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, why don't we uh, get uh, back in, into the into the record and hear from some of the other uh, cast of characters? Uh, let's do uh, "Protect Your Neck," which was the, a record that was released actually before the the album came out. Who is that? That's Jizza. Yeah, and then uh, well, let's hear from uh, let's hear from the Method Man. There's no the right. Or method. The Method Man shopped at the Walmart. <laughs> yeah, that voice is is much easier to to identify. And uh, get, you know, getting back to that idea, uh, you know, I think Jizz's voice is probably a, a little less descript or or obvious. And I, I think. Uh, ODB and, and Method Man, you know, that I think they rely just more on their, their vocal quality or something. They have a distinct sound, uh, to their, to their voice, uh, you know, which I, I, I think Jizza, as, as dude said before, um, you know, it's just more about the, the lyrics and the, the rhyme and the, the rhythm. It, it was weird to me to finally understand why people were so interested in, in ODB when his solo album came out. I was, I don't get it. Like, I didn't get what, the chambers were that was on the title, but his his delivery is so unique. It just sounds like his whole body is shaking every with every <laughs> word that he says. Yeah, and uh, so I I get the draw. I mean, I love every song on his solo album, uh, but I finally kind of listening to all this sort of helped me finally understand what the hype was all about. I mean, there's some really cool stuff going on here. Method Man definitely has a, a very unique flair in the way that he speaks, the way that he breathes, like his breaths are part of his delivery. Uh, he's, he's His songs in particular, the ones where he's taking lead are really easy to get into. That's part of his commercial success. He put out a pretty successful solo record almost immediately after this record came out to Cal, which is also pretty good. I was considering that for... The show, you got to talk about Method Man's, right? I think at the beginning of that track we just played there where he has this horrible skit about uh, torturing uh, <laughs> people. That, 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 yeah. I remember that from high school very clearly, like, scarring me. Maybe 20-year-old me would have been more entertained by that. And I don't know how, how 50-something-year-old Method Man feels about it now. But, <laughs> <laughs> right. but I, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I could take or leave that part. Uh, I think it's... I, I think that part of it is is tongue in cheek, though. You know, I, I think they're just being oh, yeah. silly. Uh, yes. Whereas, you know, some of the other content on the album, I think, is is very serious and and dark. Um, that's another cool thing about Wu Tang is, I mean, there is just there's so much darkness, but it's just you know, there's they sprinkle in humor. Well, and and you know, pure unadulterated friendship. You can hear it here as well. I mean, these guys are a family. They are a clan and you you know you can tell the the interplay the way they work together doesn't seem like nine egos in a room 
it feels like a solidified group of people and to maintain something like this for as many years as they have and to work on each other's projects like they do. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of these guys grew up together or at least in the same area and knew each other for years and years before recording anything or even considering the idea of forming the Wu-Tang. So they have a lot of history and I think common bond between them and, and that whole like, just kind of idea of just we're going to do this on our own and kind of fuck the record industry I think kind of bonds them all together even more so because they really are kind of on their own. As a side noted, uh, when you hear M-E-T-H-O-D, man, they do immediately think of Hall & Oates, yes. Method of Modern Love, because they did. <laughs> sure that was a reference. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Was it? I, I think <laughs> so. Really? I don't know if anybody ever spelled out method before Holland Oates. Well, I mean, yeah, they <laughs> they created the they created the word. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so uh, so that was the the first uh, Wu Tang Clan album. Enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers. And now a word from our sponsor, us. This is friendship, pure unadulterated friendship. Oh, yeah. Hey, music fans, looking for a place to hang out and talk about the Wu-Tang Clan? I knew I was. Then I found the Album Nerds Discord at albumnerds.com slash discord. Wow, that must have really changed your life for the better. Yes, actually. Now my life is sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can have sunshine and rainbows too. Just go to the Album Nerds Discord, join the group, chat with us, talk about Wu-Tang or whatever else you're listening to. We post notes about upcoming episodes as well as uh, you can get involved and even put a, put a spot on the wheel of musical destiny yourself. Become part of history. Go to albnerds.com slash discord. They love him because he's a hero. Well, every hero needs a villain. That's right. I believe it, and I know you do too. Every hero does need a villain. That's why Zarface put out an album with that title in June of 2015. Zarface is a supergroup of sorts featuring uh, 7L, Esoteric, and Inspect the Deck from the Wu-Tang Clan. That's how I justified putting this album on the show. All right, so we're going to start off with a track called Lumberjack Match. The flow universal, I'm Dr. Who. So seek our goals, be with a proper wound. Hunt it down, go wild at the bottom. All right, so that was our face with Lumberjack Match from the album Every Hero Needs a Villain. That was Inspected Deck doing the rapping there. And, of course, he was a Wu-Tang member. I also did enjoy his solo stuff. Uh, he, he didn't get a lot of acclaim as a solo artist. Is kind of pushed behind some of the other guys. But I really liked his stuff, and I love this. This actually showed up in my – in 2015, it showed up in my uh, Google Play Music or whatever it's called. It was just recommended for me out of the blue. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of hip-hop, so I was like, what is this? And I actually liked it. I'm like, what? How did they know I would like this? And I didn't know it was a Wu-Tang thing. I, I didn't know any of that stuff. Uh, gentlemen, this has a lot of superhero stuff, a lot of clips, a lot of uh, samurai sounds, a whole bunch of very Wu-ish, Wooniverse type stuff. What did you guys think of this? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a Zarface fan. Uh, I think this is like their second studio album, I want to say. Correct. It right? is. Yes. 
Yeah, I think this was the first one I heard when it came out. Yeah, I really like it. I, it does feel kind of like a Woo project with all the, the clips. I think there's a lot of wrestling clips, I want to say, like WWF or something. Yeah, apparently the backstory of Zarface, which is a super anti-hero, he's kind of a character played by all three of the members. But his backstory, I guess he was a professional wrestler and then somehow became... Zarface. They have a graphic novel and yeah, they have a comic book thing and everything around it now. Really? Wow. Merchandising. Yeah. Smart. Hell yeah. <laughs> One difference between this album and the other two that we, we talk about um, is just more like rock riffs. You know, it reminds me of what's the Run DMC album? Raising Hell. Um, so, you know, m- more like that kind of, uh, those kinds of samples. I don't know if they're samples or if those are actually performed. I think it's a mix, but I think a lot of it is performed. I mean, specifically for this. And by the way, they just had a new album come out like a couple of days ago. Zarmageddon, I believe it's called. Nice. Oh, really? So, yeah, I got caught up in that too when I was trying to get through all this listening. But this is my my favorite of all of this stuff. I mean, it kind of takes those things that I've learned to appreciate now from the Wu-Tang Clan and understand some of the roots. And there are members of the Wu-Tang Clan featured on this album. But my three words are superhero, fantastic, and fun. I mean, there there is street talk. There is some stuff about uh, life, but it's wrapped up in a lot of boom-bap interplay, a lot of exchanges of lyrics, fun rock guitar stuff, interesting beats. Every song has its own flavor, and that's what I dig about this. All right, so speaking of some of uh, the Wu-Tang members, we've got some Method Man on this album, so why don't we listen to a little bit of Nightcrawler, which is one of my favorite tracks. I touch down, try and put it in a rim zone, pimp bone, and I dip on like I'm Jim Jones. Yes, y'all heard the rest, who the best, y'all. So there's some versus uh, Inspector Deck and, and Method Man and uh, Esoteric all contribute to that one. I mean, it's just like this is the best pick, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely a quality entry in the Woo-verse, I would say. You know, Andy, you're the, you're the, of us, of us, you're the hip hop guy you're a person that really follows it and has had a, a long time love of it and i dabble and this is the kind of stuff i like to dabble with yeah well you know it's tasty it's there's it's very digestible i would say it feels nerdy like even more so than the 90s wu-tang stuff like it's it feels like they're really into the like comic book thing and wrestling thing <laughs> like really deep into these these genres of of pop culture and i think it it comes across like even in the not just the samples but like the rhymes and stuff deal with a lot of like superhero mythology and stuff like if you just told me like oh you're gonna drop the avengers and in the track i'd be like this is gonna sound stupid (laughs) five-year-old wrote it but it it really works i think a lot of that goes to inspect the deck and esoteric like just being you know really skilled lyricists yeah again if you're the like the rock version of this is like they might be giants <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean that's yeah. what it sounds <laughs> oh, that's, that's what it sounds like when people like me do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is that is nerdy <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I hear things in here from cartoons like that I may have seen on Saturday morning or afternoon, old Spider-Man cartoons or Cyclops from uh, X-Men. And so, yeah, there's that too. That's part of what draw makes this comfortable for someone like me where I feel, I feel connected 
to the material and and to the performers. So how about that clip of the two little kids arguing about whether Han shot first? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've I've had that conversation. (laughs) I oh god, I have I I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care either, but it made me feel kind of at home, I guess. So uh, why don't we listen to a little bit of Sinister so we can get a taste of Esoteric's contributions lyrically. Great use of, of the samples and clips there. Um, woven in there. One of my favorite parts of that song is step one, rep your team. Step two, kick his head off clean, guillotine. And then they played the little quing sound from like the Wu-Tang albums and stuff. (laughs) So I love that. That's such a great little hook. There are all these things that draw together and make me feel like, it it makes me feel like I do have some connection to this whole thing. So I actually leave this this week with a a real piece of it that I do personally enjoy. And it's not just homework, you know? With esoteric, I, I was expecting like a really thick Boston accent or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're wicked smart. <laughs> I'm wicked smart. I throw like a dot. Yeah. Could have been. That would have been fine too. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Uh, I hear that keeps up with Inspector Duck pretty well. I, I didn't know him before this project, and like they work really well together. I think they almost they have a very similar flow. Um, sometimes I can't even tell one of them stops and the other one picks up, which I think works nicely. Yeah, and it, uh, some of the first Zarface album was good, but this one has a lot of energy, and you can hear it in the guests, you can hear it in the main MCs. I mean, it throughout this has comic book energy to it, and it's really fun to listen to. So, I highly recommend Every Hero Needs a Villain. What did we learn today, gentlemen? Well, a couple things come to mind. I was trying to think of another time when so many artists, if you count nine, the nine original members, came from like one area at one time and were so influential. Like If they were nine individual artists, that would be pretty incredible. But I think because they all came together, maybe we overlooked them from their individual contributions. So... A better appreciation for like how special this was and how much it did for hip hop, especially on the East Coast. I think it really kind of brought things back to to New York and that, that whole scene and and really, I mean, they fucking owned hip hop for a couple of years between their group projects and the solo ones. They kicked some ass not only in the society but also uh, you know commercially successfully. Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of what Dude said uh, a couple episodes uh, ago when when talking about Temple of the Dog and the Seattle scene. You, know, you talked about having this sort of unified culture or something, or all these people like a community of of people, and that's. I mean, this is a good example of of that. I was actually thinking that too. It it is that in in the hip hop world, and I learned that. I was more dismissive in my youth of things that I wasn't immediately interested in and weren't part of my immediate world. Uh, really, I think I've been said it a couple of times throughout the show, but very impressed with with this whole scene. And they they changed the world of hip hop in terms of the way things are approached. Look at all, you know, uh, Master P put together Cash Money, and then there started to be these these groups of people that all work together in these different camps. Uh, in the early 2000s, and the that is all because of the way that the Wu-Tang Clan did this. They changed the music business, and that's, besides the creative part, that's pretty freaking awesome. I mean, that's a big accomplishment. 
So that's what I learned. There's way more. Sometimes there's way more to, to music than music. I just wanted to give a quick share. We have, uh, you know how people put up like uh, candidate signs in their yard, like come October, November for elections. Uh, we've, we've never done that in our household until 2020. We put up a sign that simply said, uh, presidents are temporary. Wu-Tang is forever. <laughs> 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 Had the big W on the front of it. I was, I was Love my wife even more after very uh, nice. Just that for us. <laughs> if, if, you, if you've got a snapshot, you should throw that on the Discord. So, oh, I definitely will. That's one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. All right, boys and girls. Uh, time has come once again to uh, get out that old wheel and give her a spin. Oh, God. What did you do, man? The worst has happened. The wheel has basically imploded. Uh, Andy, take out the ancient scroll that that foretells of this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, On the back here, there's a a message if I hold it up to the light just right. (laughs) I think something says, in case of emergency, do a Hall of Fame episode. Oh, yeah. We we really do need to do one of those. And it gives us a little freedom, too. What what is that, Don? What do we what is the Hall of Fame episode? It means that each of us has to nominate something for the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. We'll vote on it, and we'll also you know, let our, our listeners chime in on whether our nominees are Hall of Fame worthy. That sounds fun. A little, uh, little breath of fresh air. Something different. Yeah, but now we got to get back to the drawing board on the wheel, man. So that'll be high priority as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, what albums belong in the Hall of Fame? Does Wu-Tang deserve a place? To what else are you listening? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds. And if you'd like to support the show, do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening and we will catch you next time, hopefully with a fixed wheel and definitely some nominations for the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. Word it up. Catch you then. You best protect your neck. <laughs> I knew it had to be something yeah. from Wu-Tang. <laughs> Way to bring it all together. <laughs>